raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Good morning. It is Wednesday, May 31st. It is five minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me at Casey Daniels 317. And you can find us both right now on YouTube if you'd like. Just type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. Okay, so President Biden and Kevin McCarthy, they reached an agreement to suspend the debt ceiling and apparently... Prevent the nation from defaulting on our debt. But here, <laughs> tell Casey, tell. Well, tell. you know what? Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, yes. was saying, "Catastrophic! We're going to default by June 1st. Well, well rem- that's tomorrow. But remember, in the beginning, it was we may not even have enough money to make it to, to June 1st. Right? Oh, it, right. It, it's a it's an estimate, Casey. Right. And then once the day came, because this was in the spring. Remember when they initially there was a window where they claimed it was we're entering default or whatever and then they finally had to fess up and go okay it's june 1st mm-hmm. and then they were like but that's not an exact date it could be sooner mm-hmm. well what, was we, it sooner casey we, we got an extension apparently because <laughs> now she's saying we could default by june 5th and then if they don't get this into congress and the senate pass it what it's going to be june 10th and then oh no panic Fourth of July, I swear this time. Okay, so here is my question. Uh, and, and again, I'm but a product of the public education system. So some Harvard, Ivy League, Menza, Rhodes Scholar, graduate, whatever, is going to explain this to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can look down his nose, his or her nose at me and explain. We always have money coming into the Treasury, correct? Mm-hmm. So theoretically, if there were bills that had to be paid and you just didn't spend the money somewhere else, you would be able to keep paying the bills, Mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you actually wanted to pay the, quote, the nation's debt or, quote, the nation's obligations, even after whatever day that is, like, let's say, let's just just use a real-world example here, and I realize this is not an exact science, but Casey. You have an automobile. Now, I know you drive some sort of brand new Mercedes-esque luxury vehicle. It's a 2018, and you by paid, the way. I'm sure you paid cash for it, so this is not a – but just play along with me. Okay, yeah. I drive a brand new Mercedes. Yeah, so sure let's say you got a notice from your lien holder mm-hmm. or whatever. You have until midnight to pay this loan payment – or we are going to come repossess your brand new Mercedes. <laughs> so you still have a paycheck coming in, mm-hmm. but yet you may not have enough for the paycheck to cover the Mercedes and the trip you planned to Michigan for the weekend. Well, if you just didn't take the money that you were going to spend on the trip to Michigan mm-hmm. and you said, I must pay my Mercedes car loan, then haven't you paid the Mercedes car loan, and you continue to function as a human being? Yes. What am I missing here? Well, in this scenario, I'm not very good with my money, am I? <laughs> oh, boy, bingo, spot on, hot dang. No, but, but here, again, it's all made up anyway. 
the nation, our government has defaulted on us essentially 32 trillion times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Debt, printed money is defaulting on the American people. And we do this every day. Well, the military industrial complex is getting their money. That's something that's not being cut, even though we were told by Jim Banks yeah. and, and we're gonna we're gonna cut spending yes. because that's what Republicans wanna do. Meanwhile, Democrats want to keep spending more money. Now, now it, you mentioned Jim Banks. Uh -huh. And in fairness now, he, again, he went completely silent for about three day, two days there. He did make a Memorial Day post. So that was Monday. So other than that, though, basically three days of essential silence on the debt ceiling. And boy, old Jim. Now, you, some people say, why are you so mean to Jim Banks? Because Jim Banks, I'll tell you why I'm mean to Jim Banks. And I... We, we got time. Can we go into this? Because I get this all the time. And Wait I know Jim me. and his people will hear it. And there's there's two reasons I'm mean to Jim Banks. Because, yes, in terms of voting, people like professional office hopper Aaron Houchin or former Keel Brothers oil executive Greg Pence, those people are probably infinitely worse than Jim Banks. Jim Banks' voting record, for the most part, other than one highly egregious decision, which we'll talk about in a second, is pretty much fine. And, th and that's what he says. Jim Banks was supposed to be better, though. Jim Banks promised to be different. I used to I used to talk to Jim Banks quite a bit. He used to come on when I was a fill-in guy. We'd get Tony show or whatever. We'd shoot the breeze. Super nice guy. Really got along with him. I was naive enough to actually believe that he was someone who was going to be different or better and numerous times went to bat for Jim Banks. So you know how I am, Casey. When people lie to me, that's the one thing you can't do to me is lie to me. You can vote different and we'll disagree and we can all still be friends and fine, whatever. But Jim Banks was supposed to be different. And Jim Banks had an opportunity at the start of this year to change the history of this country because Jim Banks was the one guy when those 20 plus patriots were holding out on Kevin McCarthy. Why? Well, see debt ceiling legislation. They knew what was going on. Jim Banks, look, a Matt Gates or a Byron Donalds or a Lauren Boebert, they don't have gravitas. They're on an island by themselves, right? Chip Roy, yes, they're Rob Kendall favorites, but they don't have the ability to pull troops with them. Jim Banks has the gravitas and the sway to bring people to a dance with him, to move people in his direction. And what's the saying, Casey? With much power comes great responsibility. Yes. And Jim Banks has been blessed, and to his credit, he has earned it. He's a, he's a good-looking guy. He's a dynamic speaker. He served in the military. Jim Banks has the power to alter legislation, to alter the way his colleagues vote. And so with that comes the responsibility to do what is right, not what is easy. And I know Jim Banks, and I know there's no possible way that in Jim Banks' heart, he looked at Kevin McCarthy and said, oh, yeah, that's where it's at, baby. Kevin's a conservative. He's a fighter. He's certainly the best guy we could possibly have to be Speaker of the House. Do you think it's possible that Jim Banks was fed a bill of goods on McCarthy and thought that... No, because Jim Banks is not a stupid person. 
Jim Banks is a very intelligent person. Jim Banks wants to be a U.S. senator. Why? Because he got his backside handed to him when he wanted to be Speaker of the House, when he wanted to be in the leaders, or not Speaker of the House, but the whip. He got his backside handed to him. Mm -hmm. He didn't get what he wanted, and he wants to be in power. He wants to elevate up the food chain. And so he learned his lesson real quick that the easiest way, because remember at this time, all the stuff was going on with Mitch Daniels maybe running for U.S. Senate here against him. And that was going to be an obliteration of Jim Banks. So Jim Banks recognized, you don't dare. Look at what happened to Marlon Stutzman when he crossed Mitch McConnell in, in 2016. Mitch McConnell spent a gajillion dollars to get Todd Young elected to the U.S. Senate. Mitch McConnell is the reason Todd Young is a U.S. Senator. That and the fact that Todd Young didn't get those signatures and because he had Susan Brooks' husband as his attorney and may or may not have a, had a donor to his campaign on the election board, all those things playing together. But the overarching reason was Mitch McConnell said, we will make sure our guy is in a U.S. Senate seat. And Jim Banks said, I'm not crossing that. So you're saying that a possible Mitch Daniels run for senator is the reason that Jim Banks went with Mitch McConnell. I think Jim Banks recognized that the fastest way to get myself a primary com competitor, whether it was Mitch Daniels or whoever, and make life difficult for myself mm -hmm. is to get on the bad side of the establishment wing of the Republican yeah. Party. If I just keep my head down and my mouth shut, I'm going to be a senator. And gosh darn it, Casey, it did work out for him because he has no competition. Right. He kissed the ring finger. So the only recourse I have is this little bitty radio show. And yeah, you know, I mean, we go back and forth because the people at the state house say, nobody's listening now. Those people obviously are kind of in a world, some of them are in a world of a hurt on their own right now. But, you know, the people down at the state house, they tell us nobody's listening. The ratings show lots of people listen. But, you know, who knows? All I know is I show up to work here each day. I know you can kind of hear the station from Illinois to Ohio and all points in between. And so the only recourse I have when Jim Banks does the thing he knows is wrong and is supposed to be better and said he was going to be better is use this little platform mm -hmm. to remind people that he's no different than everybody else. Okay, and the problem that you have is that he voted for Kevin McCarthy for speaker 15 times. Over and over and over, and he told us what a great guy Kevin was, and Kevin was a fighter, and he was a conservative, and you can count on Kevin to do the right thing! Well, apparently he doesn't think he's a very good negotiator <laughs> because he has said that he is going to vote no on this bill. Let Jason, can we hear that? What he had to say up, uh, to me. So I'm today. I'm going to vote against uh, this new deal. Uh, it, it falls way short of uh, of what I expected uh, and, and had hoped for to do something to send us back on a path to bring down the national debt, not to allow it to grow either, even further. Well, okay. So this is pretty big news. Just so we're clear here, Congressman, you're telling me you are going to vote no on this debt deal being presented by Biden and McCarthy. Yeah, I, I I can't vote for it. So uh, I I haven't I, I haven't uh, announced that yet until this morning on your show. But I, I'm not sure it's big news. I mean, I I have a consistent record of voting against raising the debt limit, and um, I had hoped that this moment of leverage um, would allow us to do something uh, significant to address the national debt, I, I, I just believe this uh, this agreement falls way short. So I don't know that anybody's surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I have a, my, my, I've been pretty consistent. Okay, so, so he's turning it around. He's doing the right thing now. 
No, the damage is already done, Casey. And by the way, that was on WoWo in Fort Wayne that he appeared this morning. Mm -hmm. The damage is already done. Jim Banks had the gravitas, and this is why. Again, people, I'm clearing it for everybody right now. Jim Banks had the gravitas and the pull that if during, and we talked about this on the air as it was happening in real time, if he'd have come out and said, I've seen enough here, even after he'd voted for the guy 10 times, I've seen enough here, this concession stuff is meaningless. Kevin McCarthy clearly doesn't have the consensus of the party. He's not a, the guy we need. I'm out of here. He could have brought probably 50 people with him and it would have ended, ended the chance of a speakership for Kevin McCarthy. We we are in this position. We as a country, we as a conservative, the conservative liberty-minded voters are stuck with Kevin McCarthy because people like Jim Banks didn't do the right thing. Okay. So he doesn't get to now go, oh, I'm so disappointed. Oh, I'm so let down. <laughs> no, you had a chance to actually do something about it and put somebody in there who would have done something about it and you abdicated that responsibility because you wanted to be a senator. All right. Well, now Kevin McCarthy is in the position where he's fighting the past, he's fighting the present, and he's fighting the future. Because now some people are saying that they want to ouster him over this. Will it happen? Well, I don't know if that will happen. But what I do know is happening Saturday is, Casey, there is a big <laughs> event. <laughs> a big event coming up here at the State House. Yeah. I'm going to be there speaking. Mm -hmm. And our next guest will yes. be there speaking. It's a rally for property taxes. We're trying to help you people. Donald Rainwater. He's going to join us next on 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. Casey's here. Casey, there's a big event Saturday. Yes, with a lot of people and a lot of people invited to come. So there is a huge rally. By a lot of people, you mean everyone in the public. Yes. Everyone hearing our voice right now. There's yes. There's a rally at the State House, noon until 2 on Saturday to protest the out-of-control property taxes that your legislators don't care at all about. And I will be one of the people who will be offering some mild-mannered thoughts uh -huh. on the issue. And another person who will be speaking, he was the 2020 Libertarian Party nominee for governor. Donald Rainwater joins us now on the drivehubler.com hotline. Don, I am so excited to be your opening act on Saturday. <laughs> what do you have in store for us? Well, first of all, good morning, uh, Casey. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Um, and yes, Rob, you and I are going to uh, stand on the probably the steps of the, the south end of the Indiana State House, and we're going to talk about uh, what the state government is doing to uh, homeowners and renters and what we can do to uh, fix it how we can change it, what uh, even though our state representatives tell us that, uh, that they need to study for two years to, to figure out a plan, uh, we're going to present what I think is a, a fairly common sense, logical plan, and, and it didn't take me two years to figure it out. Donald Rainwater, can you give us a preview of your message, what you're going to say? Oh, absolutely. And, and this is something we've talked about on your show before. Um, you know, the first thing that we can do to uh, kind of pump the brakes on these out-of-control assessments uh, is do away with the assessment on your uh, primary residence 
and set the property tax at 1% of a maximum of the purchase price of your property so that it never goes up. So that every year you know that, okay, I paid $250,000 for my home. Uh, I'm going to pay at most 1% of $250,000 as my property taxes. That's the first step to just stop the out-of-control raising of property taxes. Uh, now, we know, and, and we're going to talk about this a little bit Saturday too, Rob, um, we know that one of the reasons they don't want to give up these assessments is because they've instituted tax increment financing, which allows them to take the increase every year and redistribute that to what they like to call economic development. <laughs> Donald Rainwater is our guest. Uh, he'll be with me uh, Saturday noon until 2. Uh, many other speakers. Micah will be there as well on the uh, lawn of the Indiana State House protesting property taxes. Casey and I talk about this a lot, Don. You got three people running for governor on the Republican side. Doden, Crouch, and Braun. None of them have commented, as far as I know, at all about property taxes. It is the issue. Are you surprised? Not at all. Not at all. Because here again, um, if you don't speak out against something, uh, you know, we all assume you're for it. And so what they're basically saying over in the uh, uh, GOP is we like getting more of your money. We, in, we, we enjoy having that increase in taxation, and we're going to keep doing it because we like to redistribute that money to our, our friends in the uh, economic development arena. Yeah. And, and so, of course, they're not going to speak out against it because they're for it. Now, look, we, we, Casey, I've talked about this a lot, that if people want to make change, they got to get involved, and their media will probably be there on Saturday. The state house people will be aware of what's going on Saturday, and we have made it as easy as you, we possibly can for people. You just show up. We got the speakers, the PA systems, all that stuff is taken care of, but you got to show up because numbers matter, as clearly demonstrated by the angry red-shirted teachers. You got to show up. Oh, absolutely, and and I will uh, take that a step further, Rob, and say that it, you know if you don't show up, if you're mad about your property taxes, if you're fed up with state government uh, treating you like a an, uh, an income source, but not treating you like a citizen or or representing you, then you need to show up because if you don't they will assume you don't care either. Casey, can we count on you to be there with us on Saturday? Yeah, actually, I was just thinking about that. Like, where am I going to park? Hot I'm going to walk over. What am I going to wear? <laughs> like, I'm going to have to look for you guys. Like, I literally was just, like, running it through my head. But I wanted to ask, uh, Donald, how is the race going? Well, um, we are obviously in the um, early stages. Uh, we are... Uh, doing some fundraising, and of course, if if people are interested in supporting us, they can go to uh, rainwaterforindiana.com. There's a contact page. You can volunteer. Uh, you can send me a message, ask me a question, and of course, there's a donate button. 
And the reality is, is if you want to stop paying so much in taxes, one of the ways that you can do that is support my campaign so that we can get out here and do what we need to do to win the governor's seat in 2024 and then start vetoing all of these tax increases. Rob, you know, in 2020, I signed the Taxpayer Protection Pledge uh, that is provided by uh, Americans for Tax Reform. I will do it again. I will make the commitment uh, that I will oppose and veto any increase or any attempt to increase taxes in the state of Indiana. And that's what Saturday is all about. Saturday, noon until 2 at the State House, the mm-hmm. property tax rally. I'll be there. Michael will be there. Lucy Breton will be there. And you, Donald, will be there. And most importantly, we have now learned, Don, Casey will be there. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And Casey, yes. there's not a lot going on at Circle Center Mall, so the parking garage should be uh, someplace <laughs> where you can park your car and walk down to the south. She's not walking by herself in downtown, Don. No you know way. Don, I'm just going to park right here at the radio station. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, Don, All we'll right. see you on Saturday. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present voicemails brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. 317-684-8444. That's the phone number for the voicemails if you'd like to contribute. It is 1033 with Kendall and Casey on 93WIBC. All right, so we addressed it last hour, and we'll do it again via voicemail because obviously people were just, I mean, I was amazed at the amount of people, oh, today's show is going to be on fire as you have to address Jim Lucas. And I said, we're going to address it. And I thought we did a pretty thorough job last hour of talking about how we're going to deal with the whole Jim Lucas alleged DUI fleeing the scene, the accident, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. But for those who didn't hear it last hour, uh, we'll address it again. Somebody called about that. So we'd like to play phone calls from the listeners. So we'll play the phone call. Then we're going to address how we're going to deal with Jim Lucas going forward. So Tony Katz mentioned that Mr. Jim Lucas got arrested for DUI and leaving the scene of an accident. The first thing that comes to my mind is Rob Kendall as a character from The Simpsons, a Nelson kid going, ha ha! So here's how, and again, then this will be it. This will be it for now, okay, on how we're going to address this and deal with this. I wanted to see Jim Lucas leave. I wanted to see him lose. I want to see him rejected. I don't want to see him in the statehouse anymore just like the overwhelming majority of the 149 other people that are state reps and state senators because they failed you as a taxpayer. They failed you as a constituent of the state of Indiana. They've put special interest and growth of government ahead of you. I wanted to see him lose at the ballot box. I wanted to see a viable primary challenger come in and defeat him. I didn't want to see him go out like this because 
we've tried, we have tried and tried on this show, have we not, Casey, to say this guy is not well. It is not rational behavior unprompted to be fighting with a radio guy in the middle of the night or at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. That's just not how normal people, so I'm not even a constituent. And then it would be other people who would chime in and go, no, Rob's right. You really are failing on property taxes. Then he would get into it with them. Mm-hmm. And we did we not say, yeah. check on this man. You pointed out that on one of those threads, somebody who said per, was purportedly a family member was Well, even- this was when he made the announcement Last week, two weeks ago, that he was leaving social media. I'm leaving social media. Big announcement. And then he got right back on. And then he got back on for 24 (laughs) hours. And then he left again. And in the comments section, it looked like one of his family members said, thank you. Right. Like, people were aware that there was an issue or something was going on that he needed to take a beat. Right. Just step back for a minute. I mean, look, you are a state rep. And again, we'll see if he you know if he says i did this or i didn't do this you know court of law everybody's entitled to a presumption of, of innocence mm-hmm. uh but if indeed he did this where you are driving intoxicated you're hitting things you're fleeing the scene yep. there's an in, i think endangerment is part of this in in here too I, so i don't know if that means other people are involved i don't you know the whole thing has not come out yet well and it's saying that he was on Interstate 65, and then a short time later, police officers found him at a different location from the crash. Right. So, again, it sounds like, and again, it all come out, so it doesn't even matter at this point, but he may have struck something on 65, continued moving in some capacity, and that's why, the again, who, who knows? That's for a court of law to decide for him to take ownership on. But from the people I've talked to, the little birdies inside the state house, the people who are running the show over there already know exactly what happened and it's not good. And you look at that mug shot and you realize that's not, you know, that's not a guy that was in control of him or it does not appear to be a guy who was in control of himself. So here's the deal. And I'll say it again. We said it last hour. If Jim indeed did do this and does the right thing and takes ownership of it, and resigns, and mm-hmm. that's the key, because a guy who is that poor of a judgment has no business representing people, 7 million people, and that's what he does. I don't care where he's from. His choices affect 7 million people. He's part of the legislature. Right. Yeah. So if he does the right thing mm-hmm. and owns it, mm-hmm. he's a military guy, he's a law and order guy, mm-hmm. so if indeed he did do it, the the ownership of the act and the resignation, we're done here with this. Right. We're not taking victory laps. We're not pointing and laughing, even though Jim was her- Jim Lucas was horrific to me. And all I want is for the elderly and the fixed income people to be able to afford to live in their homes. And he was horrific, and he went out of his way to be horrific. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me right now. What does matter to me is that this guy get the help he needs mm-hmm. and that he not be able to impact mm-hmm. 7 million people in this state anymore. So if he does the right thing, we're done. I'm not taking victory laps. I'm not pointing and laughing. I'm not taking any joy in any of this. And the right thing in your mind is for him to resign. Absolutely. He needs to step and, down. And, and, then, and, then, and then we're done here. Mm-hmm. But, but, and I mean this, and you know, Casey, mm-hmm. I mean this with every fiber of my being. If he tries to worm out of this, if he tries to stay in public office, then we're talking about a new level of engagement. Yeah, a new level of narcissism. I mean, from from me and this radio show, because that guy has no business right now in the state he's in 
making choices for other people. Mm -hmm. So I hope he will do the right thing. If he does, the interactions we've had in the past, it's not going to be coming up here. But if he doesn't, and I, I, from what I've been told, I cannot imagine the Flanders boys, Rod and Todd, are going to allow this guy. I mean, look, he can ultimately do it every once. You can't be removed from office unless you're convicted of a felony. So ultimately, until that happens, but I cannot imagine a prosecutor, the the pressure from the Indiana Republican Party, him allowed being allowed to stay in there or not ratcheting pressure up to where he doesn't have to. But who knows? So that that seems like a fair groundwork that I've put forward right now. I wouldn't think that the people of Jackson County want him representing them anymore. Well, yeah. Because I mean, but representative is, is that. It's a representative of you. And if that's who you are and you're okay with it, well, all right. Well, we'll see. So, but I, do you do you? It's half your show. Do you mm-hmm. think that is a fair groundwork that I have put forward? I am I am considering this matter right now mm-hmm. closed for today. Yeah, and we will see. The ball is in his court. What he does. Am I being fair about all this? Yes. No. I think you're definitely being fair. You don't want to see him. I mean, this goes to speak to the mental health issues that are plaguing the entire country and the state. Obviously, he's dealing with something because nobody responsible is going to be that drunk in their car, get into an accident and leave the scene allegedly. Yeah. And he has a real opportunity. Like I laid out to do the right thing. Like we laid out last hour, he has a real opportunity to use this as a chance to, to change people's lives Mm -hmm. for the better. Mm -hmm. But if he wants to hunker down and say, I'm going to stay a state rep, I'm going to fight this. Then that's not, that's just going to breed resentment and ill will, and it's not. So he gets to decide what kind of person he's going to be going for, and I'm going to give him the space to to do that. All right, uh, we did get quite a few calls, Casey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we continue to get this. I call them the Trump Defense Brigade. Okay, and that is the people who, no matter what Donald Trump did as president, no matter what he says as a campaigner, they will defend him. And facts be darned. And uh, we got multiple calls about that today, so let's play some of them and address the Trump Defense Brigade. Yeah, I want to say my thoughts, Southside Steve. Uh, the money came from the Department of the Treasury. It was uh, the money was the CARES Act, which was approved by Congress. So when you were saying Trump shut everything down, and I said no, he shut down business from China. He gave that responsibility if states wanted to do that to individual states. I'm cool with him doing that. I don't understand why you're still being so negative towards Trump and trying to put a spin on this, that he shut everyone everyone down. He didn't. And the money now you're saying that he provided for everybody came from the Treasury. He was approved by the CARES Act with Congress. Have a nice day, Rob. Okay, so we got a lot to touch there, Casey. Uh, Number one, I was unaware the Treasury... Uh, well, I mean, they have a money printing factory, but they turn it on and off at the discretion of the government, the Congress and the president. So, Casey, I don't know if you know how government works. If Congress does something, the president has the ability to do this thing called veto it. Mm-hmm. And when you veto it, it takes two thirds of the Congress to override the veto. So for this guy to act like we're talking about the magical money printing factory that that was turned on in 2020 and the five trillion Trump printed. Okay, so that's the first side of it. It was the CARES Act as though the president wasn't intricately involved in like the Congress just decided to do something and Trump just went, I'd love to help you out, but I'm totally helpless. My hands are tied. He signed off on it. Mm -hmm. Also, 
Trump, we played the audio, Casey. It's like a minute and a half yeah. of Trump saying he was proud that he shut down society. He said repeatedly, we did the right thing. We did the right thing. I'm sitting here. I'm reading a text, uh, a tweet from him from March 22nd, 2020. Oh. We cannot let the curse be worse than the problem itself. At the end of the 15-day period, we will make a decision as to which way we want to go. I mean, the, the, he's very proud, or the audio said he was very proud. The tweets, he's very proud. And it comes back to, again, the Trump Defense Brigade. He did this. And you can say what, I mean, this whole thing about, well, the governors made the choice. It's the equivalent of saying, I hired a hitman, and the hitman did the killing, and I just paid the hitman. So the hitman is the one who did the murder. My hands are clean. Trump bribed these states to shut down. And by the way, you acting like I'm never critical of the Congress, right? Like, isn't the majority of this show, hasn't the majority of our show today been me being critical of the Congress? Mm -hmm. They get theirs every single day. They're all in cahoots together. That's the point. But you're not defending the Congress to the end. You're trying to defend Trump. There's no excuse for what Trump did during COVID. Absolutely none, because none of it worked. They were colossally dangerous errors in judgment repeatedly made by Trump. The printing of the money, the bribing of the states to shut down, the promoting of the mask, the, the promoting of Fauci, mm -hmm. the, even the promoting of the shot. Even that didn't work. March 27th, 2020, Trump signs a $2.2 trillion coronavirus relief package. I, again, Trump signs a 2.2 trillion coronavirus relief package. And then he had so much fun. A few months later, they did it again. All right, uh, we got to take a break. Hammer's coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 1049, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hammer joins us in the studio. And I'm so glad that you're finally on board with this because Nigel and I have had this little house on the prairie thing going for a while mm. now. And yesterday, uh, Hammer joined the fun. You texted me and said I was scrolling through the channels. I saw that uh, Little House on the Prairie was on. Nellie Olson made two bad throws at a dunk tank and then started <laughs> trash talking. It's like watching a Cubs game. Two bad throws <laughs> and people getting upset. <laughs> So they had Laura Ingalls in like the dunk tank because mm -hmm. the local fair came sure. to uh, Little House of the Prairie. And Nellie Olson, she grabs the uh, the ball. She's trying to hit the target of the dunk tank. And it looks like one of the cub relievers. Yeah. It's that bad. Now, I'm at home later on and I'm scrolling through and I noticed there's an episode of Little House in the Prairie. Because if you weren't aware. <laughs> the amount of texting between on. Little House of the Prairie and uh. us is amazing, by the way. But Sorrel Book was making an appearance. and Now, Rob, you know who that is, right? From Love Boat. Well, he was on Love yeah, Boat, yeah. but that's not what he's best known what, as. What show? What show is he best known for? What? Oh, come on, that's Boss Hog. Boss oh, Hogs. that's his real name. I didn't, hell, I didn't know what his real name yeah. was. Not Joe Hogsett. This is the real Boss Hog. Oh, okay. J.D. So, Hog. His name is Sorrel Book. This is the actor that played Boss Hog. Okay. And Hammer and I were commenting. He's making a guest appearance on Little House in the Prairie, and then you threw in the little. You know, he was the, on a Love Boat. On Love Boat as well. And I thought, these guys just walking around the studio lot in the late 70s. And, hey, we need you in this show. Come on over I here. We'll put you I in costume. I had no idea what that guy's actual name was. Like, yeah, if you just so said it was well Fred, Fred Flint, like, obviously you see him. You know exactly who. Exactly. I had no idea what his actual name was. So but well if you think about, like, television programming mm -hmm. in the late 70s, early 80s, 
they were a family. You had Battle of the Network stars, yes. like where CBS and NBC would compete against each other on ABC. You yeah, know, it was crazy. Exactly. And shows like Little House on the Prairie and Love Boat, <laughs> yes. both of them had the same philosophy of, all right, who's walking around? Right. Uh, give me Boss Hog. Give me <laughs> Alice from the Brady Bunch. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, look over there. There's a Fonzie. Bring him on in. Like, yeah. We'll have an episode. Is that yeah. good television? Did you do you actually do you like Love Boat because it's so stupid now in hindsight, or do you like it because oh my gosh that was such entertaining television? Well, I think it's both. I mean, don't act like it wasn't successful when it was on because what the Love Boat did was it had a little something for all of the age demographics, right? So on one episode of the Love Boat, there was like two or three storylines taking place. Yeah, you had like. Scott Bayo, young Scott Bayo on, like the young chicks would like. Mm-hmm. They would have like Cesar Romero, <laughs> like somebody that the old people would like. And they would have like a current star that somebody would know, you know. From it was always special when Charo John was on. Ritter or somebody, you know, yeah. like somebody from all age groups. Charo was on the love boat a lot. Always, always. But to your point, uh, the Cubs, now you said that you were looking up bleacher tickets and they seemed kind of pricey. So my buddy lives in Chicago. And this was on Sunday. And I get that it's Memorial Day weekend and things are probably a little bit more expensive. But at the time of the game on Sunday, the Cubs had the worst record in the National League. They have since dug themselves out of it. But on on Sunday, they had the worst record in the National League. Tickets in the bleachers at Wrigley, where there's not even really a seat back. Yeah. $125 per person. Now, you've, I assume, on numerous occasions, sat in the bleachers at Wrigley. I have. I did that twice as a younger man, and I found it to be terrible because there is no, it is actually, I mean, it's a great view. It's the bleachers, but it's a, there's no seat. Right. You're paying all that money and there's There's no no seat. There's no shade. There's no seat. So the bleachers in Wrigley have kind of turned into like the snake pit at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. When you buy a ticket to sit in the bleachers now, it's not because you want to watch the baseball game. The people in the snake pit did not know there was a race going on. (laughs) You buy a ticket to sit in the bleachers because you want to be part of the the party scene. That's where the bachelor parties are and the, quote, bleacher bums are and, Mm -hmm. you know, the home run balls come at you. That's the kind of stuff. If you want to watch the baseball game, you have to buy an actual seat around Wrigley. It's all how you frame it. It's just an open-air bar with 50,000 of your closest friends, and there happens to be a baseball game going on. Great moments in uh, bleacher history here. Yes. Uh, go back to when I was working at WZPL. Mm-hmm. And I was like one of the promotions guys and stunt boys when Dave Smiley was doing the yep. morning show. He had just came to town. So we took a road trip. We're sitting in the bleachers, and Smiley doesn't really know much about this kind of stuff. <laughs> he orders a like a Chardonnay, <laughs> and he brings back this cup. <laughs> Like, and we're in the bleachers, you know, and we got rowdy dudes, like Iowa football players trying to fight everybody. And this dude comes back with a pink Ziffindel in a cup. Like, dude, you're going to get our ass kicked over here. What are you doing? Awesome. I don't, uh, I don't like to go to things anymore. You know, I've just kind of found that everything. You're not much of a people person. Well, that's, but I, you know, I used to, I mean, I used to be, I used to be into the scene, but now I just find Everything I want to enjoy is on television. Like if yes. I and it's just so much cheaper and it's so much less hassle and it just 
there's no reason for me to really go anywhere is anymore. Is there a sporting event or concert or whatever it is you're into <laughs> that you think would be better seeing it in person than on television? No, because I've been to a U.S. Open. Golf is horrible to watch in person because you miss the rest of the course while you're watching whatever you're watching. Would you watching. like to be on the 18th like the final day of the masters i've been on the 18th the last day at the pga and the u.s open and the problem is you miss everything else mm-hmm. i mean you yeah the ending is great but you miss the whole rest of it. i've been to a bruce springsteen concert 11 times i've touched him i've held him in my arms there's nothing left for me to accomplish <laughs> i've done it all hair. i'm just a homebody the rest of my days casey mm-hmm. i'm just a homebody so is there a bucket list for you casey like something that you have seen in person to where you can tell people hey you need to go do this because it's so much better in person i think well the kentucky derby is a lot of fun that it's, it's a all whole day event. Well, the Indy 500, same thing. Right. It's a all day event. Seeing the flying start yeah. of the 500, yeah. I would put that on that list. Yeah, exactly. I've seen a kickoff of a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that would be fun. Do not kick it to Devin Hester. <laughs> do not <laughs> kick the ball to Devin there Hester. There are a couple things on my list that I still have yet to do. One would be going to a Tennessee football game because I want to sing Rocky Top. Oh, my. We'll go. Yes. Let's do this. Uh, NFL draft would be another one that would be fun. So, hit us up on Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel. Bucket list things better in person than on television, at Hammer and Nigel. This afternoon, Casey's going to come by. Mm -hmm. Uh, we got the Tonus and Tommy Lahren as well. Thanks, Hammer. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. She's standing in her underwear. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.